Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. Today, today we have another exciting podcast coming from the crossroads with Dr. Lee Adams. Dr. Lee Adams will be online in just one moment. We are trying to get you going and get you connected. And now we are going to hear from none other than Dr. Lee o. Adams. Go ahead, Dr. Good morning, good morning, and good morning. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. It is entitled Crossroads, where North and South meets East and West. Of course, in our region, uh, we are crossroaded through Interstate 55 and Interstate 40. Interstate 55 travels North and South, Interstate 40 travels east and west. And where they meet is a center point, and we call that Crossroads. Uh, Crossroads is a podcast that discusses contemporary topics of interest with leading men and women in business and industry, in government, education, uh, in medicine and health, agriculture and community development, and other areas of interest to the general public. These will include religion, sports, uh, police brutality, Black Lives Matter. There is no topic or subject that is off limits. And I want to thank you for joining us on this morning uh, as we discuss the topic, racism in America. Do you remember somewhere around 1969, 1970, and I know some of you may not, but every now and then, uh, radio stations will uh, play a song by recording artists by the name of Edwin Starr. And Edwin Starr recorded a, a hit record uh, at one time that was called War. What is it good for? And in that song, as he asked the question, he also gave us some reasons why it was not good for anyone. Uh, what is it good for? And so when we think about war and the devastating effects that has always had on people, on families, on communities, and every facet of life, there are more negatives than there are positives. War, what is it good for? And now in 2020, we're asking the question, racism, what is it good for? I want to ask you to think about these questions on this morning as we delve into our topic, racism in America. What is it good for? And I know that we can go uh, back to the historical context of the early existence of history in America. And we know that when Europeans arrived on these shores, they already found a people who were indigenous to the land. 
How did they treat them? How were they viewed? Were they viewed as co-equals? Or did they have some other motive, ulterior motive uh, when they first got here? And how have these uh, indigenous population that we call American Indians been treated? And so if we look at uh, the arrival of the early uh, settlers to this country, I think it will give you some idea of where we are in America and what is going on and why we are experiencing the kind of turmoil and unrest that we have not experienced in many, many years. Oh yes, we can go back to the historical accounts and I'm sure that there are some of you who will be able to have great uh, stories that you can tell uh, about your own experiences. And if you so desire, I believe that uh, there are questions that can be posted and our host, I want to thank uh, God for him, uh, Dr. Bruce Smith, who uh, we affectionately call the Bishop of Broadcasting uh, in this central uh, region of ours, of Arkansas, uh, Tennessee and Mississippi, East Arkansas, West Tennessee, and North Mississippi, which represents our core uh, geographical region. But want to thank God for him on today. And if there are any questions, he can relay them to me as well. Uh, we just want to look at some questions today. And the question that I want to ask you is, what se segment of America, what segment of America is exempt from racism? Um, I'm not going to deal with what's going on in Europe, Africa, and Asia, uh, in the Middle East or the Far East, or any of those regions. I want to more or less confine our topic of discussion to where we are. Now, I understand that if you are in a, on another continent, you are certainly welcome uh, to have your input and you know more about the topic in your region than I would ever know. A continent of Africa proper, you know firsthand a whole lot more than we do about colonialism and imperialism. You know a whole lot more about being subjugated than we will ever know. And so if you also desire input, you can certainly do so. Uh, at the end of this segment, I believe that uh, our producer, Dr. Smith, uh, will be uh, recording this and sitting, getting prepared to be sent out. And if you're on our email or mailing list, uh, if you're uh, with uh, Facebook or any of the other social media, social media, you should be able 
uh, to receive and hear and see what we're talking about. But the question that we're begging to ask is, what segment of America is exempt from racism? And let's look at some of these segments uh, on today as we talk about uh, even in our homes and in our families. How are our homes and families impacted by racism? Uh, what about education in America? Is it necessary for us to still be doing the kinds of, uh, of things that uh, we are doing as it relates to filing suits? Uh, even in this pandemic, uh, we see that in Shelby County, uh, parents of, uh, of children uh, who have handicapping conditions have had to file a lawsuit against the county for failure to adequately uh, provide for the needs of their children, especially those children uh, that are in wheelchairs, uh, suffer with autism and other uh, debilitating conditions uh, when it's impossible for them uh, to have uh, the kind of learning experience that every other child has and they are being uh, sheltered in their homes and in place. And it's virtually impossible for them to even pick up a tablet and all of these other things. And so while we're discussing uh, racism and bias in education in 2020, what about in our health care? And many of you may have some stories about what you have experienced in dealing with the health care uh, profession and healthcare industry. What about a segment that deals with our environment? And many will tell you if they're living in certain areas uh, that they have been subject uh, to uh, waste uh, from industrial pollution and plants. And so is there uh, that uh, environmental racism that's still going on? What about in our government? on today, in today, government. Is government, uh, does it have uh, a, a, a racist or is there racism still pervading in segments of government, in our local governments, uh, in our town hall governments? Decisions, are they being made based upon race? Uh, in our local governments, county and, and city governments, in our state governments, and certainly in our national governments. The question is out there. What segment of America is exempt from racism? What about in public safety? Do we fear every time that there is a stoppage uh, by law enforcement that it might lead to something uh, that's, that will end up with deadly consequences behind it. Uh, public safety is something that everybody uh, is concerned about these days. And so before we ask, uh, answer these questions, I think the first thing we have to do is look at the question, what is racism? What is racism? 
and to everybody is something different. But there is a core examination of what basic racism is. And I know that many of us have run across instances where people will say, I didn't know that there was a racist remark. Or I didn't know uh, I was practicing racism uh, by doing this or doing that. Uh, And so we know that people do uh, make mistakes uh, by commission. Some make mistakes by omission and others make mistakes simply because they think they're doing right, but then they find out that they're doing wrong. And so in American society, you answer the question, what is racism? What is racism? Another question that we look at, since many people will talk about the pride of their ethnic group or their race, uh, their racial distinction. The question is, where is the line drawn between being ethnocentric and being racist or perpetuating racism? And I know everybody who is of a particular ethnic group has pride in his group. There's no doubt about it. I don't care where you go. You can go to people of the highest of society, as we call it, the status and class, and they will talk about pride in their home, pride in their family, uh, pride in their heritage. And you can go all the way down to the lowest of the low, to those who have not, but yet yet still, they have pride in who they are and how God made them. But the question is, where is the line drawn between being ethnocentric and racism? Is preferring your race or your people above others and esteeming others below you and not worthy of receiving the same treatment, the same goods and services that you do. So it is impossible for us to overlook these questions in 2020 in view of what has gone on prior to and during 2020. And I asked the question I said earlier uh, about if you are an immigrant or you're on a foreign shore and we didn't exactly know where your country lies in all of this or your nation. But as it relates to America, 
Do current immigration laws in America or even in other places encourage racism? In other words, can by the very fact of being able to make laws and enforce laws, can racism of itself be minimized? And that begs the question as I go further, can democracy and racism coexist in any society? And can it exist in America? And to what extent? And so when we look at what is going on in America, we ask the question, can democracy and racism exist in any society and to what extent? The final question that begs to be answered is where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? Where do we go? Now remember, the title of this podcast is Crossroads. We've gotten to a point where we must answer these basic questions and come up with solutions to them if we are going to live in what is known as a democratic society. It is impossible for us to live apart from one another and act as if everything is okay. I remember that we used to talk about those that lived across the tracks. Well, you know, tra tracks separate. Tracks separate the good from the bad. The wealthy from the poverty-stricken. There are lines drawn when it comes to living across the tracks. The question still begs to be answered. Can democracy and racism coexist? Can it continue on its path in America? We have some deep, deep, deep soul searching 
that we need to do. My brothers and sisters, when we look at some of the issues that surround us, even in business and industry, with men and women in America and how the majority has tried to promote even black women over black men to the extent that it separates our homes and our families. How many of you remember the, the movie? I can't remember it, the name of it, but James Earl Jones, I believe was in it. I believe that was James Earl Jones, uh, in which he was a garbage man and uh, uh, he met this lady, uh, she had the children and uh, she was on welfare and uh, one of the rules of welfare was that you could not have a man uh, in the home. And every time the counselor, the social worker would show up, they would have to move a whole lot of stuff around uh, that was um, impermissible for her to remain, her children remain um, in the welfare system. And so we see this kind of, uh, of, of perpetuation has continued even as our level of education has increased. We see it on the level of our black men sometimes being overlooked for jobs because through the civil rights movement and affirmative action, employers say, well, you know what? We can kill two birds with one stone. We can hire a female who is a minority and we can hire female black who's also a minority and we can get two for the price of one. And so as a result, many of our counterparts have seen an erosion in the field of business and industry and education. Same thing happens when it comes up for promotions. Our black men can sometimes be overlooked because of the fact that they can use the minority hiring factor in the equation. So the question becomes, the more we advance, how can we counteract those who want to use racism as a means of continuing to perpetuate, to denigrate, and discriminate. 
This podcast is designed to be soul reaching. This podcast has, is designed to get people angry. This podcast is designed to get people to start talking more and to debating the issues, finding common ground, and say, hey, this land is my land. Some of us came on top of the boat. Some of us came under the hull of the ship. But nobody that came over here came by 747. No space shuttles, no rockets, no helicopters. Everybody that made it by way of boat. And sometimes we feel like that whether or not we came on the top or not, we had a first class ticket and therefore we are better than those that came on the bottom deck. And I wanna let you know that this is not in the army where we say RHIP, rank has its privileges. But in society, racism does not have its privileges. Racism, RHIP, racism has its privileges. No, it does not. Can you imagine the trees and the forest puffing up their chest and talking about how great they are over the other trees. The pine tree talking about its smell, evergreens and spruces talking about their leaves. The giant redwood talking about its height. All of the trees could have something that they could brag on. But yet, you know what the great equalizer of trees in the forest, if you don't want to take my word for it, ask the trees in California, and they will tell you that the great equalizer of trees is the forest fire. And fire has no respect of trees. It does not matter. If it is in the wake of a fire, it will be consumed. And that's what happens with racism. It consumes people that's in its wake and it's fueled itself. It 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 fires and becomes more combustible 
And if you don't put out the flames of racism, we'll find ourselves being out of control as a people and as a nation. And we can see that the fans of racism are continuing to be stoked by those who have something to benefit from it from. Why do people have something to benefit? The people who want things to remain the same are those who benefit the most. Democracy says give up everybody an equal opportunity. We may not all be able to do the same thing, but we can do something to contribute to society in a positive way. But when you deny people the basic rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, you are being a tool used by spiritual forces that you know not of. And so the trees need each other. They need each other to live. Because trees can grow down where we don't see them. The roots can intertwine and entangle with one another. They root and ground themselves by spread, spreading out and entangling themselves with the root that's close to them. And as they say in religious circles, one can't fall for the other. And that's what brotherhood is about. That's what unity is all about. And we've got young men and young women who are victims in this sense that gang violence has, has escalated. We're in this area. We're, we're taking on the characteristics of other areas of young men and women who have imported their brand of racism in the form of taking up a color. This is my color. And my color is prevalent. This is my color. And your color is subordinate. But I want to remind us that it is the supreme being, the almighty, who placed the rainbow in the sky. And no color will ever tell the other color, I am better than you. The blue doesn't try to discriminate against the green and the green against the red and the red against the yellow. They're just happy to be a part of the Rainbow Coalition. But we are not like that. We look at people 
and we see their skin. And we say they are inferior. How are people just because of skin color inferior? How is it that people of certain skin color can be superior? And so in America, we have got to do something about this idea of racism. Because there would be argumentation and fights in the sky with the rainbow colors trying to exert dominance over the others. There is no other world that we can go to. Men have been trying ever since the telescope has been invented to find another world. There is another one, and there's evidence of it. I mean, you can always go to Stonehead, England, and you'll know that no man or no civilization because if they had, they would definitely have left a record. Look what we did. Because we we pride on keeping a record of our own individual and collective achievements so that they can be recorded by history and in the annals of time. But if you go to Stonehenge and you ask them, who did this? They will tell you, we don't know. Well, one thing we do know, they didn't get there by themselves. And nobody on this planet has claimed responsibility to say we did it. So we know then, by the Socratic method of reasoning, of course, that actually it had to come from somewhere else that is otherworldly. And because we're constantly looking for that other world, we haven't found it yet. And until we find someone that looks like us on another world, another planet, we have to conclude that we are it. And since this is it, since this is the only place of human habitation, it just seemed to me that we ought to be able to do like Rodney King said, so why can't we just all get along together? Shall we, shall we fuss and fight, argue, kill one another? Can we live together peacefully or shall we perish as fools? The question is, where do we go from here? not wanting to get into a political confrontation at this time because politics has its own uh, show later on. But our two candidates have said this. One says, M-A-G-A, make America great again. 
And what do we define greatness in America by? I'm sure everybody had their own criteria on what makes a nation, a country, a business, a family, or whatever institution that we're talking about being great. Make America great again. The question then to be begged is, why isn't America great now? What caused America not to be great? Where did America go wrong to lose its greatness? And what is the greatness that we're trying to make America become again? And like the coronavirus that we have now, We'll never be the same. We'll never be the same because there have been some whom we have lost that perhaps would still be here if the coronavirus had not come. Make America great again. What I would tell those who want to quote that uh, slogan that there is an answer. It is found in scripture. And that scripture says righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And if we ought to make America great again, then America must come back to its principles upon which this nation was founded, upon the principles by God. I want to tell you, we can make America great again. We can make our families and our homes and our businesses great again. If we do what the Holy Writ has told us to do. To love thy Lord, the Lord thy God with all of thy heart, soul, mind, and strength and thy neighbor as thyself. Oh, it sounds good. Make America great again. I want to tell you, I haven't lost my greatness because I haven't lost the God whom I've served. And don't lose him. Don't lose sight of him. And then there is the other candidate who said that this election is about the battle for the soul of America. And I don't know what that soul of America is as it relates to people in politics. But I want to tell you one thing. I've got to go back to the word of God. And say that the soul that sent it, it shall die. And I want to let you know, this is not a battle about the soul of America. Because the soul of America has already been bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ on a hill called Calvary outside of the city of Jerusalem over 2,000 years ago. I don't know what the soul of America is. I don't know. What is America's soul? Is it found in police brutality? Is it found in unemployment, disparities in health care? Is it found 
and disparities in education? Is it found in a lack of opportunity for business and industry? Is it for young men and women to become, to become entrepreneurs when they already have that entrepreneurial spirit but it is being channeled in the wrong direction with drugs and other illicit behaviors? What is this soul of America? Thank you so very much. This is Crossroads. I am Lee Adams, host, moderator, and narrator. I want to thank you. As we talk about racism in America, what is it good for? Who profits? I remember back in the 60s, they talked about, and in my college experience, the Pentagon Papers and other uh, 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 material that was published, and they talked about this uh, unity or this jointness between the military industrial complex and how the industrial is fueled by military conflict. That when people are at war, when economies tend to grow because of the need for expendable goods. The military industrial complex is not so prevalent now, but there is another industrial complex. And it is fueled by racism. When we talk about keeping people out, and we can spend billions and billions on walls to keep people out. That is an industrial racism complex. My brothers and sisters, this is real. This is real. And we have got to go back to the drawing board and say, let's get it right. This is the only world that we have. And we need to keep it. I want to thank you, Miss Elvira, Miss Luna Liner. I want to thank you, Dr. Holly. I want to thank you, Naresh. Thank you, the man. I'm trying to see if there is a way. I'm, this is new to me. I have been previously uh, been using uh, 
television broadcasting and podcasting is new. And I know with Skype and other uh, available technology, I was able to see your uh, questions and everything. And if you have a question, um, I'm trying to see how I can, how it can be done. Maybe my producer can help me out at this time. If you have any questions or uh, if you have a, um, if you have any um, questions or comments, I would certainly love to, um, for you to call in. We've got a few minutes. Is that possible, Dr. Bruce? If a person has a question, they can type it in in the same way that you see a text message. They can type the question in. All right. I hope you all heard that. Uh, thank you, Dr. Bruce. We're we're in different locations, miles apart. And um, if you are on this uh, podcast and if you desire, let me just say this to become a co-host with me, um, we will we'll be able to hook it up where you can also do your uh, live remote speaking from where you are. And uh, we would love to have you to join in. I'm not an authority on anything, not even Lee Adams. I don't know me as well as I ought to know. And so uh, if you have questions or if you wanna become a part of Crossroads, I certainly invite you to do so. Listen, this is not my podcast. This is Crossroads podcast. And if you're a part of Crossroads, you are part of the podcast. If you have any questions for or comments at this time that you so desire, uh, we're going to give you a minute or so to type them in and we will try to answer them as well as we know how. We will be having guests to come in uh, from other areas. I have a great friend of mine, uh, Dr. Willie Kimmons, who uh, grew up uh, uh, knowing and, and was uh, mentored by doc, uh, uh, Dr. Shirley Chisholm, who was the first black American in modern time to run for president of the United States, and I know he has a lot. He's he, he's uh, he's been an army officer. Uh, he has been a college professor. Uh, he has been a speaker. Uh, he has uh, written many books. Uh, he's an educational consultant, and I would love for him as well uh, to uh, be a part of this broadcast. I want to thank you so very much for listening to Crossroads, where North and South meets East and West. We are at Center Point this Saturday. 
on this weekend of Labor Day. And we want to thank God for all of the men and women who work and have worked. Some you're still working, some of you have retired. I want to thank God for all of the veterans who have given of yourselves. Many have paid the ultimate uh, sacrifice uh, to keep this um, country free. And this is a crossroads because we want to do so in a peaceful way. Uh, we could talk about what's going to happen, and I think we're going to be looking in the near future, of course, uh, with some election kinds of things. Uh, and I think that we're here to be intelligent and to discuss. And so if you don't mind, um, tune me back in next Saturday morning, 10 o'clock Central Standard Time, and I will thank God for your listening ear. I know you have more to do on a Saturday than to listen to Lee Adams. So thank you. May God bless you and may God keep you is our prayer. Eternal God, I thank you for all of these that have called. Bless their home, bless their families, bless their neighbors and their neighborhoods. Oh God, we ask you to bless their place of employment, their ministry callings, whatever it might be. We ask you to multiply it some 30, 60 and 100 fold and keep them safe during this pandemic. It is in the name of Yeshua, your son, the immaculate son of God, the lamb that taketh away the sins of the world. It is in that name that we pray, amen. God bless you and may God keep you is our prayer.